This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chale. That's mintmobile.com slash chale. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chale. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday. 
and thank you for joining another special episode of You're Welcome. I'm back from Arizona, and guys, I gotta tell you, it felt so great to be back in a jam-packed arena for UFC 263. Coming up on today's show, I'll talk about what we all saw on Saturday night, like Nate Diaz's near comeback, the first Mexican-born champion, and of course, another title defense for Israel Adesanya. Adesanya versus Vittori, guys, I saw something else. I saw a close and competitive fight. I saw a fight where they were trading rounds back and forth, and when the fight was over, I was very sure that Adesanya won, because in a worst-case scenario, it was 2-2 two to two going in to the fifth, and he won the fifth. But I still saw a fight where I need to hear what Bruce Buffer has to say. I don't know. And I only bring that to you because it was 50-45, that is fiction. That was not five rounds Adesanya. And I even read on the dirt sheets that I go to, the manias and the elbows, the easy night for Adesanya, things like this were said. Are you kidding? What fight did you possibly watch? That was back and forth. That was not an easy fight for Adesanya. Adesanya did two things that were remarkable. Because don't forget, this is a rematch, and we're only here to find out one thing. Between you two boys, who got better? That's the question. Split decision the first time. Which one of you got better? The last time they fought was 2018. By the way, want a fun fact? They fought in the exact same arena. How do you like that? They fought in the same arena, but three years later. Who got better? Okay. That answer is tangible, which was Adesanya, but particularly on the ground. He was taken down four times. Two of those four times, he got back to his feet. The other two, he reversed the position. So now you have a decorated kickboxer who has taken over the MMA game, who was in the dominant position on the ground two of the four times it went to the ground. That is meaningfully different than the first time they fought. But to make believe, or for anybody to, to write an article that Adesanya cruises to victory over Vittori, I just thought it was a scummy thing to do, because now you're dismissing Vittori. You're just complimenting Adesanya. You're kicking Vittori when he's down, and that's not what happened. That was a battle. Vittori drug the champ down three more times than Yoel Romero did, just to put in perspective. Vittori drug Adesanya to the canvas two more times than Jan Blahovich did, just to put in perspective. And the rest of the time they were on their feet where Adesanya is supposed to have a, a, a very dominating advantage, Vittori was trading. Vittori was getting out of the way of a lot of shots. He was landed ones and twos. He, he got a number of leg kicks. In. That was a brawl. Those two guys went and fought. Bad news for Vittori. He was either striking or he was wrestling. He was right here striking or he was changing elevation. And he was running across the cage trying to uh, get this fight to the canvas. Instead of doing MMA. MMA, it should all look the same, right? You're changing elevation. Sometimes you're throwing strikes. You're changing elevation. Sometimes you're grappling. You're coming out of the grappling, right back to your strikes, right back into your takedowns. Vittori, it was two distinct different sports at the same time. He was distinctly wrestling, and sometimes he was distinctly kickboxing, instead of putting those together. But I don't agree with the judges' scorecards. I don't agree with people after the fact acting as though Adesanya did what he he wanted. Adesanya had some... some extreme high points. And those reversals, believe me, have the rest of the division swallowing real deep. 
So the number of people out there that have watched and studied Adesanya and believe, whether they've got the skills to do it or not, they believe they at least have the blueprint to beat him. But one constant every time Adesanya fights is improvement. The one constant, if you go watch each in chronological order Adesanya fight, the only thing you're going to come away with that he does differently in between fights is he improves. He improves every single time. Those reversals were telling. The conditioning, the calmness, Adesanya checks all of those boxes. Now Adesanya's called out Robert Whitaker, by the way. Which Adesanya even said, my nemesis, my number one nemesis, which I didn't know. I didn't know Adesanya and Whitaker were oil and water. I mean, Whitaker's such a nice guy. And Adesanya, you know, Adesanya kind of needs to get himself worked up. But I didn't know that he viewed Whitaker as his top rival. Those guys fought one time. Adesanya knocked him out twice. It wasn't a competitive fight. It was a little bit of a surprise how easy Adesanya did it in the realm that he did it, which is stand-up fight, which is where Whitaker does his best work. It was a little bit of a surprise, enough that, you know what, let, let's see that one again. But where do we go? We were told at one point that Whitaker said he didn't want to do the fight. I, I don't mean right now, but that he was offered it before and said no. Now Whitaker has responded on Twitter and said, rest up, see you soon. I don't know how to interpret that. I guess I guess that means yes. And in all fairness, I don't know what my appetite is for. I mean, these guys are going to have to sell me just a little bit. The one person that was left out of the conversation between the, the Cannoneers and the Paulo Acostas and the Robert Whitakers, I thought the one person left out of the conversation who Adesanya was going to pull in was Darren Till. I was a little bit surprised that Adesanya wanted to go on the rematch tour before he got fresh parity. My prediction would have been he went after Till. And maybe that's equally as hard of a sell because of the rankings. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe not. I think people understand that matchup. I think they understand that stylistically. I don't know where Whitaker's at. And, and, and I certainly don't want to rain on his parade. If he's just got called out by the champ and he wants to go do champ stuff, he certainly deserves it. But if he doesn't, speak up. And then let's hear from Till. So that was the main event where the belt happened to stay with the champion. That wasn't the case for the co-main event where we saw a new guy get his hand raised. Figueroa goes on takes on Moreno. Now, I got to share my perspective. I never believed Moreno to be a great fighter. I didn't believe he was put in this opportunity to fight for a championship because he was a great fighter. I believe he's a fighter who gave us a great fight. But if you even back the tape up and look at how he ended up there with Figueredo in the first place, what a surprise it was of how competitive that was. It was a great fight. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a great fighter. And Figueredo underperformed. That's according to Figueredo. Figueredo said, I did not feel well. I had to go to the hospital. I was at 30%. Now, while I was at 30% seems a little bit low, I'm just repeating what he said because I did believe it and it was documented that he went to the hospital and when I watched him go out there and fight Moreno the first time, it did not look like himself. He dug deep and found a way to leave with his championship regardless. Very impressive fight by Figueroa, but not a lot to see here. That is how I was talking prior to the fight and I felt it. Now, it also comes from a perspective when you fight outside of your gloves. When you go out there and put on a performance unlike anything you've ever done, it's very hard to duplicate that. And there is times historically in sport where guys will use that as a springboard. That gave them the confidence that they needed. 
getting that close and missing out gave them the motivation that they needed. We see that. I predicted that it would be the other way, that it would be just be too much. The lights would be too bright for Moreno. So I, I bring this to you because, okay, a fight is a dance in that only one person can lead at a time. And that is generally volleyed back and forth. I'm going to bring my offense, and then I'm going to cover up while I get a deep breath and recharge as you bring your offense. And then I'm going to bring my offense, and then you're going to bring your offense. And we just trade it back and forth. And who could defend when it was that time, and who could land when it was their time for offense. And that get, Moreno came out, he took the lead, and he never handed it back. Right? The great way to win a race, get out front early and never let anybody pass you. Okay, that's what he did. So Figueredo's playing catch-up all night. And, and pretty soon, Figueredo realizes, man, he's never going to hand this to me. The, the, the unwritten agreement that is the fight game, he's, he's breaking the deal. He's keeping the ball. He's keeping the ball all night long. And it, when Figueredo accepted that, and it was very clear when he accepted that, now he's also accepting, I have to win this fight by catching him from a counter-puncher standpoint. It was very clear when Figueredo realized, and it was about seven minutes in, realized he's not going to relinquish. He's out front and he's not giving it back. We're dancing, but he's leading. It was, it was one of, he went into counter mode. And Figueredo's a good counterfighter. He's not a great counterfighter. He's a great offensive uh, fighter. He's great at coming at you. He's got a major power. He's tricky, right? I mean, you think you're out there throwing lefts and rights, and all of a sudden he hits you with a question mark kick. It's one of those things. He's sneaky. He's the same way on the ground. You think he's going to hold you down and try to do some pounding, and he's right into a submission. He's sneaky. But his offense is still his best game, not his defense. And as soon as Figueredo accepted that he was going to have to be defensive and be reactionary, it was over. That was it. As a guy who's watching the fight, it's over. He's not, you, that, that recipe is not going to win. It might survive. It might make it through this fight. But it's not a recipe to win. And Moreno just started going to work. And Moreno can box, by the way. I mean, he was going to the, to the nose and dipping outside and going to the body. You don't see a ton of body shots in MMA. And you don't see them because of the tactics that are used. Not because MMA fighters... Every time you get a boxing coach that comes over and he sees his first MMA practice, he's going to change everything because he's going to teach him a jab and he's going to teach him to go to the body. The jab's hard to do in MMA. It's rather ineffective. If one of my two hands can touch you, I much better have my power hand. And second, to go to the body, to dip outside, to lower your elevation in a sport where they can clinch you or they can grab you in the head and knee you. It's just, it's one of those things you don't see a lot of. But when you see it, it's a thing of beauty. What, what Moreno did was a thing of beauty. You go back and you watch that fight. Go watch the first round where he felt his absolute best, where he started taking charge, where he made it like round six of their first fight. Like, hey, we're going to pick up right where we left off. It was beautiful work. And again, you want to talk about the reaction of a crowd? You want to talk about people that were excited to see somebody else succeed? First ever Mexican-born UFC champion. It was a big deal. And I don't know that I felt that going in. I knew that that was something that was on the line. I knew that that's a headline that you could and they, they would write if this went Moreno's way. First ever Mexican-born UFC champion brought such a pride, such an absolute nationalistic cultural pride. And it meant something. It meant something to me to be in the arena to see what that meant. 
two people that even though they didn't know Moreno, they could identify with Moreno. And to see him do that, I mean, we're, now we're talking about something much bigger than sport, guys. We're talking about something much why sport was created, why sport needs to be around, why we want our kids to be in sport in the first place. But in truth, we generally don't reach that point. We generally don't succeed at that. We, we, we just know that it's possible. For Moreno to reach that point and to influence and inspire other people who identify with him, it was one of the most powerful things I have ever witnessed in sport. Okay, so that was the flyweight title fight. Stick around because later I'll talk about Figueroa's future. But first, let's talk about this. As excited as you were for the two title fights, I know on Saturday it was the third fight down on the main card that you were most looking forward to. Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards. Guys, to start at the beginning, okay, and I'm trying to share a perspective because I was there. I was there live, but being there live is a little bit different. It's not, there's stuff that you miss that you just wouldn't see on TV. There's an energy, right? There's a noise in the building. You probably can't tell at home who gets the loudest ovation, but that is a microcosm of a much bigger picture. You want to know who's a star, who's over, who's popular guy? That's the microcosm. Whoever got the loudest eruption, that's the most popular guy on the card. Pretty simple, right? But you kind of only know that if you're there, so I'm just share with you. I know the Diaz boys are loved. I know they're popular. I know they're stars. I did not know it to this extent. I mean, I can remember the last Nate Diaz fight that I was at. That isn't true. I was at the, the, the BMF one, and before that was his comeback fight against Pettis. But the ovation that Nate got, even at the weigh-ins, it was 2-1. to 3-1 to one over the next best thing. And don't forget, you had Stipe and DC on the card. Popular guys. In California, DC set up shop in California years ago, right? I mean, DC did just fine. People were there to see him. Two to one, three to one. It was Nate Diaz. Same thing happened on this card. There was one eruption louder than Nate. Hold that thought because I'm going to get to it. So Nate comes out and the first time they pop his face up is when he's leaving the locker room. They do a locker room shot. They walk him all the way down the tunnel. This place is going crazy. I could not believe it. Okay. The only thing that erupted that building louder than Nate Diaz is they did a very quick cameo. It was no more than three seconds. They threw the camera on Nick, but put it on the big screens. So you might have seen that at home, but even if you didn't, they threw it on the big screens there in the arena. And that was the only thing louder than the reception that Nate got. And for those guys to be that level of star, at this point in their career, Nick, by example, tell me about point in his career. Is Nick's career over? Does he even have a career? He has no license. He has no opponent. We're told that he still has a contract. We're told that those things are changing. I'm only offering for you. Tell me somebody else who left the sport five years ago, no matter how good they were, how popular they were. You tell me somebody that left the sport five years ago that could have the loudest ovation of anybody in an arena. Oh, by the way, The heavyweight champion was there. The middleweight champion is going to defend in just a moment. 
The first ever Mexican-born champion happened that night. Nobody had the reaction of that crowd like Nick and Nate. I mean, you want a slam dunk? Hey, Nick and Nate, go fight Logan and Jake. Do it on the same night. I mean, you want to just you want to just have slam dunk business? We just talk about a cash grab. I mean, there's ways to do it, but these guys' popularity. It's shocking. I just wanted to bring that to you. That might be the biggest behind-the-scenes thing that I could offer for you was just how enthusiasm, how ecstatic people were to be in the presence of the Diaz boys. So the fight itself, I mean, I, I, how much do you want to break it down, guys? It was rinse and repeat. Did you, did you see the first round? Because if you did, you've seen every round. Did you see the last round? Okay, great. Then you saw every round. Nate did a wonderful job of luring Leon, and I do believe that Nate succeeded at this. Nate lured Leon into a stand-up fight. And many people, when Nate picked this fight, Nate, what are you doing? This guy's going to crush you. This guy's ranked number three in the world. Talking about Leon, this guy hasn't lost in five years. This guy, nine times up to bat, he got around the plate the last nine times. Nobody has bothered Leon. Last time Leon lost is when a brick fell on his head. That brick happened to be named Kamara Usman. You wonder where I get that expression, by the way? My first day in martial arts class, I was a college wrestler. I go to a martial arts class. Okay. And the instructor had all sorts of moves. Man, this guy, he was trained in sword fighting. He'd be, take a gun out of your hand, like military tactics. This guy was very skilled. And then one of the guys said to him, yeah, but what happens if you fight a wrestler? And the instructor looks at him and goes, well, what happens if a brick falls on your head? <laughs> Meaning you're screwed. You're screwed. There's nothing you could do to plan for a wrestler. There's nothing you could do if a brick falls on your head. I was a wrestler, so I took it as this huge compliment, but I also thought it was kind of funny. And that's the last time that Leon lost. A brick fell on his head named Kumar Usman. Why does Nate want this fight? And when I say Nate picked him, I'm using the right word. We got two guys in all of MMA that will let us know who they're fighting. They pick their opponents. Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. Everybody else gets a phone call. These guys have that much stroke and that much respect and they've been there long enough and they've moved enough merchandise, they could pick their opponents. So why the hell would Nate pick Leon? Okay, took me a while to figure it out. Took me a while to figure it out too, but I finally did. I figured it out that Leon's a British fighter. He's not a super powerful wrestler at all, which means it's going to be a stand-up fight. Nobody really gets to jump on Nate in a stand-up fight. And you don't need to correct me with the Josh Thompsons. And Nate's been around a long time, but in a broad stroke, nobody gets the best of Nate in a stand-up fight. That includes Cowboy. That includes Pettis. That includes McGregor. Great stand-up fighters. Nate does a little bit better. you got all these boxers calling out MMA guys right now. You have Oscar De La Hoya calling out people in that exact weight class. He's never called for Nate Diaz. Point being, Nate's a handful on his feet. He's a pain in the ass. And he can talk about that Caesar Gracie jiu-jitsu black belt all that he wants. He does his best work right here. I think that's what he saw in Leon. Saw somebody that is going to stay there with him and give him opportunity. And for the most part, Nate was right. Leon did stay there with him. There was a couple of exchanges, a couple times they went to the ground. For the most part, this was a fisticuffs, and Nate was in it. Nate was in the fight. Leon did a great job with kicks. Leon does a great job with everything and never gets his due. One of the more telling things for me, a viewer, at the end of this fight, because when I'm watching this fight, I'm not only enjoying the fight, I'm then thinking what happens when Leon gets in there with Usman or Leon gets in there with Colby. I can't watch the fight any other way. I have to be thinking about what this means and what would happen if he gets in there for his title shot against whoever wins between Usman and Colby? That's why I say that. So 
He's competitive. He can compete with those guys. He's going to have to show us a little more than he did against Nate because both Usman and Colby can and will and will want to take him down. That's something that Nate did not even offer. Nate never offered the threat of a takedown. Never came at him, never tried to close the distance, never tried to clinch and work, push him up against the fence. That, that just wasn't part of Nate's strategy. So it would be a very different fight. But Leon's good, and Leon at the end of the fight cut an interview. And he had just been wobbled. Don't forget that. He wins the fight, he loses the last round, but almost got stopped. I mean, I mean, he, he was wobbling. One more, the right shot from Nate, we all get up and go home. Leon did an interview. He wasn't breathing any harder than I'm breathing right now. He could not have been any more calm. He had his full wits about him. He was not exhausted by any means. He was not done by any means. And most athletes are. It has nothing to do with conditioning. It has nothing to do with how hard did you work. Did you sacrifice? Were you disciplined? It doesn't have anything to do with that. Whatever energy you have, you use it. You use it all. You're always going to walk out exhausted. There's no difference in an easy fight or hard fight. You put absolutely everything into every fight. Leon could have gone five more rounds, right? I mean, the story coming into this largely did have to do with the fact that we're going to have rounds four and five, even though it's not a title fight and it's not a main event. And it was the common belief that that's going to favor Nate Diaz. Now, it didn't hurt Nate. Nate did not wilt at all. But we also learned something about Leon, that Leon's a long-distance guy himself. Leon's made for championship rounds himself. Overall, great battle. To break down what happened, why? Does it matter? Does it really matter? You had a major high spot by Nate. You had an arena that was thrilled to see him and his brother. Shocking. Shocking the level of business that you could do with the Diaz boys. And you got Leon solidifying himself that he's the number one contender. Is he going to wait? Yeah, I think so. I think Leon is probably going to wait for the winner of Usman Covington. Coming up in a moment, we'll talk about what might be next for Nate Diaz. But before we get there, a few words about our sponsors. Guys, I got to tell you, I'm not Mr. Big Spender, by the way. I don't think you would consider Chael cheap, and I certainly won't mooch. If we go out, you get a tab, I'll get a tab. But you know what I don't mind spending money on is a good night's sleep. I truly find that to be an investment, truly. If I can get a better night's sleep and be a happier person with more energy, I can justify the covers. I can justify the pillow. It's also a one-time buy. I don't know that I've ever had to go back. I don't know how long you're supposed to keep a pillow, how long you're supposed to keep sheets, but I really don't remember sheets ever getting holes in them or pillows ever going bad. True story by myself. Now, I also like technology. Sometimes you can get intimidated by technology, and in the world of sleeping cool, this has been like a scientific game that the companies have been playing for years. Buy these sheets for a cooler night's sleep. Some guys are promising they have a mattress that is like anti-body heat absorbing, thus giving you a cooler night's sleep. Okay, fine. However any of that all works, and believe me, I've tried it all, maybe you're like me. I finally went to something called 8sleep.com, okay? Now, 8sleep.com is an actual scientific technology where you're not counting on some kind of mystery foam that has like magical abilities to wave a wand over you when you're sleeping and cool your bed. It actually cools the bed with water. 
you set the temperature after you set this up and it runs water through the cooling pod to whatever temperature you like. Which by the way, I control my side of the bed with my iPhone. My wife can control hers. By example, if she wanted to sleep at 88 degrees, meaning go hotter, she could. If I wanted to sleep at 55 degrees, I could. And she wouldn't be bothering me and I wouldn't be bothering her. I only offer you that because it's ran over your iPhone and this thing sets up really fast. I'm not one of those jerks that tells you to go get something. Oh, and it's so easy to sign up, but then it's not. It is. It is or I'd say it wasn't from the beginning. It's easy to sign up. They will deliver this right to your house in a box. You will take the box into your bedroom and then open the box and boom, a king size bed pops out or a queen size bed or whatever size that you would like with the cooling pod. It's got Wi-Fi technology. It literally has a hotspot where you go into your phone. It brings, it's got its own Wi-Fi device. I don't know how this works. I'm just telling you that it does. Guys, go to 8sleep.com slash you're welcome. Check out the Pod Pro cover. You got to know what it's called. This is called a Pod Pro cover, not just a mattress. I'm telling you about the Pod Pro cover. You're going to save $200 for going and knowing to say you're welcome. That's 8sleep.com slash you're welcome. 200 bucks off, which I might add is pretty generous by me. Get a load of this. Nate Diaz throws a party. Now, Gilbert went to the party. So I'll talk to Gilbert. I'll, I'll find out some of these questions that I have, but I don't know them right now. Here's what happened, okay? Nate rented a house in Arizona. He didn't stay at the fighter hotel. He rented a house. He then, after the fight, throws a party at the house. Oh, by the way, guess who was invited? Everyone. He announced it in the ring, and then he put the address on Instagram. Now, Nate All In has a reach of about 5 million. Okay, so I can only imagine how big this party was. I can only imagine how many of you went to his Instagram and followed it up and made your way out to this house. What I'm thinking about is the guy that rented the house. I would imagine this is like an Airbnb situation. Probably, quite literally, an Airbnb. And Nate logged on and Nate signed up for X amount of days. I don't think the guy knows that he was going to throw a party and invite 5 million people. I don't know. I don't know how it went. Gilbert went to it. I will hear from, I'll find out. I don't know if there was security there. I don't know if they charged you at the door. I don't know how this works. All I know is somebody rented a house out and had 5 million strangers invited to it. It doesn't sound like the world's greatest recipe. By the way, and Nate Diaz, I must give him credit. He had a fantastic line. It was before the fight. Dana was talking about whoever wins the fight can fight the winner of whoever wins between Colby and Kamara. Nate said, I don't care if I beat Leon. I'm still fighting for the championship. Now, the reason it was a great line is because there's a lot of truth in that. The outcome of a Nate Diaz fight does not matter. The outcome, it absolutely does not matter. He, whatever he does next, it will be a main event and he will sell out an arena. And if he comes in second in that one, whatever he does after that, he will be a main event and he will pack the house. He got to a point in his career, it's the ultimate spot 
And I, I could only run through three or four guys this has ever happened to. There's nothing you can't, you can't plan for this. It just happens. But it is the ultimate dream, which is the outcome of your matches no longer matter. For everybody else, you could be released. You could be fired off of a loss. Your placement on the card is going to sink. Your ranking is going to head south. It is the ultimate spot that you can be in. And Nate didn't play. Nate is an unintentional genius, by the way. He and his brother. I give I give neither of them any credit. Because I don't think they planned it out. I don't think it was strategic. It just unintentionally kept working. I mean, for Nate to proclaim after... Before the fight, it doesn't matter if he wins or not. He's still going to go fight for the championship. Just to even say the words is fantastic. For Nate to declare after the fight that in a street fight... The only thing that matters is the highest point of the fight, of which went to him when he hurt Leon. Therefore, he's the victor. Like, okay, okay, you won. Nate won. He, I, I was convinced. Were you? Do you guys remember the night? It's the last time Nick's fought. I happen to be in the arena for it. I, I don't think me being there gives me a leg up on this story. But I, I, it was one of those moments where I just, I remember where I was. Nick fought Anderson Silva. And Anderson picked him apart for 25 minutes. And Joe Rogan interviews Nick after, and Nick said, yeah, I don't know what's up with that decision. I thought I won every single round. I'm in. For, forget what my lion eyes just showed me. Nick won every single round. Right? It, was, it was just one of those fixes. It was one of those quick fixes that nobody could get away with unless you're one of the Diaz boys. It was another one of these unintentional, brilliant moves. You guys remember when Nick didn't show up to a press conference, don't you? Talk about unintentionally brilliant. He doesn't show up to a press conference. This wasn't a big press conference. Five and six people are there. Three and four matches are put on. It was George Saint-Pierre, Dana in the middle, and an empty chair because Nick didn't get on the airplane. Dana was so upset. He's going, how can I possibly keep this fight on? If I can't even count on you to come to a press conference, how can I possibly count on you to show up on fight night? Dana was so upset. Here's what happened. Sports Center picked it up. Sport it was such a great visual of Dana White up there with George St. Pierre in his in his fancy suit with his gold belt and an empty chair. It was such a compelling shot. Sports Center ran it. There was nothing that Nick could have done at that press conference. Nothing. He could have lit up a joint. There was nothing he could have done if he was there that would get as much play as the empty chair, Dana in the middle, on the phone to Caesar Gracie. You guys remember this? The whole thing. It could not have gone better. It was the most brilliant mark. Dana had to keep the fight on. He had like deal with whatever I got to deal with. I'll pay somebody to go out to Stockton and walk him and, and give me a... I mean, I don't know how Dana handled it, but he had to keep the fight on. Like, it, the, it, it was everywhere at this point. He was not bluffing. He was serious. He was going to pull it out. Hey, done. You can't come to a press conference. I can't trust you to come anywhere else. I'm not selling people a ticket for something I don't believe I can produce. You know, it was one of these things. It got so big. It got so big. I watched it on sports. I mean, I, I went and rewatched it. There is a visual component to this that you cannot beat. There was George. There was Dana. There was an empty chair. It probably added 30% to their pay-per-view. Whatever the number was going to be, that probably tacked on about 30%. And I remember the PR 
folks at the UFC for this. They were they were sweating it. They they thought this pay per view was going to bomb. They thought it was going to bomb because they were juxtaposing how much coverage they were getting, how many interviews, what was Nick doing. He wasn't doing any. George was never great at that. That's just not what George did. Didn't like to do that. Didn't do very much of it. Nick did none. They couldn't even get him on the phone. The PR people, they thought it was going to bomb. It did the opposite. It did the opposite. It turned out that Nick was a brilliant marketing guy. I'm just not giving him credit because I think it's unintentional. Per usual, Nate Diaz is the story after the fight, regardless of the result. Leon Edwards actually won the fight and is the number one contender at 170 pounds, but what's next for him? Is it time for Masvidal and Leon Edwards to fight? Yes. My answer to that is yes. For a couple of reasons. First off, and guys, don't forget why this fight didn't happen. It didn't happen because they got into a a, a beef. They got into a a physical altercation, which is illegal. And it was caught on camera. And before you go, Chael, that's exactly why it does need to happen. That's great promotion. No, it's it's a slippery slope. If that fight would have got booked right away, that's just going to, everybody is going to see. All I need to do is act like a buffoon and make sure a camera's going to get the fight that I want, right? So that's the whole reason that that got delayed. But we still understand that fight needs to happen, right? I mean, Leon gets to answer for the three-piece of the soda at some point, right? There's got to be a level of of, of fair to this. And what else are you going to do? That's also a part of it. You just default to it. What else are you going to do? Do you have a better idea? They now have a common opponent. And Nate Diaz, time to get those guys in there. Leon deserves something very good to happen to him. It's been five years. It's been 10 fights. He's had a run of bad luck, a pandemic hit. He couldn't even get out of his country for a period of time, right? I mean, you guys remember all the stuff that's happened to Leon? He deserves something good to happen to him. And a fight with Masvidal would be massive. Sure it would. Not to mention, I don't know who wins that fight. That's a very competitive match. Masvidal is one of the top guys, regardless if he just got shut off. He is one of the top guys. Leon's ranked number three in the world. I mean, right? I mean, it's one of those things where I don't know what you're going to get Masvidal to do that he doesn't want to do. He's a little bit picky. He's in a position right now to be a little bit picky. He just fought for the belt. I mean, some guys never come back at all. And that's not a wrong answer either. I mean, but some guys do that. Put your whole life into something, make it to that opportunity, doesn't go your way, and they never come back. Very common. Masvidal's not doing that. Masvidal, for sure, is going to keep competing. And I just feel as though that that time is now. I don't know that I love the idea of Leon being recognized for his accomplishments as a number one contender and then forced to sit. It's extremely uncommon that a number one contender gets stated when the fight hasn't happened yet. We saw this with Francis Ngannou. When Francis Ngannou became the number one contender at a press conference, DC and Stipe still had like two months until their fight. So Francis had to wait eight months to be able to compete, and Francis didn't like it. He did not think that that was a nice reward. He did not think that 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 was respectful. He thought that made him unemployed for eight months. He's right. I mean, that's a fair point. I don't know that I love the idea. I don't know that Leon would either. Hey, you're going to wait 
till Colby and Kamaro get done. You can't count on that. No way can you count on that. Colby goes out there and beats Usman. You don't think Usman deserves a rubber match? You don't think Usman automatically becomes the number one contender to the very championship that he has that's in question right now? Of course he does. That's not right. Colby goes out and beats Usman, and then we bring in Leon. So you get my point, though, right? If you're in Leon's shoes and you're going to wait to take on a winner of a fight that's in the future, which, by the way, you have no idea how that fight's going to go. Some fights have to be redone. They have to. Something happens. Something bizarre. Aljo's going through it right now, right? He's going through it right now with Yon. The knee and the disqualification and the belt changes hands and it never happened before. You just, you just got to do it again. But that holds up every other 135-pounder. They don't have their marching orders. They don't know where to go from here. I, I, don't, I just feel that we would get it wrong as a community if we tried to reward and recognize Leon. And the reward due to the recognition of naming him the number one contender is that he has to wait for a match that may or may not come to fruition. A lot of things to consider there. Ultimately, we just need to turn to Leon. Hey, what do you want to do? He can answer the question really quickly. I'm attempting to speculate on it, but there, there is moving parts that perhaps you haven't considered. And then when you get in the X's and O's of an actual fight between uh, Masvidal and Edwards, that gets interesting fast. Edwards is better than I knew he was. I knew, I knew he was very good. He's better than I knew he was. I mean, I watched him say so composed against Nate. Edwards' post-fight interview was possibly the most telling part of the evening for me because he was speaking as calmly as I am right now. He was not huffing and puffing in the least. He did 25 hard minutes and was completely fine 60 seconds later to give an interview and speak calmly. And the way that he fought, Nate was very intelligent. He understood Nate's open for leg kicks, right? We've all, we all already know that, but he understood that, but he didn't throw too many of them. He worked them in, and the ones that he used were extremely efficient, extremely powerful, extremely on point. And then he protected himself, and then he moved. He knew when to jab. He knew when to throw power. He knew when to do combinations. He knew when to get out of the pocket. Mix up just enough grappling, keep Nate guessing. I mean, it, he did some things very well. He deserves credit. Leon deserves a lot of credit. I would just suggest that if we believe recognizing and giving him that credit, by giving him the reward of naming him number one contender and making him wait, I would just ask, don't forget, because we just saw this. Don't forget when we did that with Angano. It was meant to be a compliment to Angano. It pissed him off. First thing Angano did when he won the championship, he said, I'm going to fight. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay busy. I took him at his word. I, I realized things uh, appear to be a little bit held up. He appears to kind of be pushing for this John Jones business instead of taking on Derek Lewis. I, I'm a little surprised that fight isn't signed. I feel as though that should be signed and that should be in July, which is three weeks away. But I don't know what we're waiting on here. Derek's ready to go. Francis is ready to go. Dana says he wants to fight. Something's happening, right? Something, Something's going on there. I think that Francis is going to get what he wants. I do, I do believe that Francis is going to see John Jones in that cage. I believe that Francis is going to see Stipe again. I believe that Francis is going to see Derek Lewis uh, next. Sounds like we're all saying the same thing, just, just slightly different. But something is amiss here. And nobody's spoken up about it. Nobody said who the skunk at the garden party is. But somebody isn't coming to the table in some fashion. At least it appears. 
So as we continue beyond UFC 263, let's go back to the 125 pound division and talk what might be in store for Davis and Figueredo. Figueredo versus Moreno rematch. I'm hearing this, guys. I'm hearing this. Now, I certainly concede that Figueredo or any champion, the moment he loses, automatically becomes the number one contendership for his own belt. I get it. It works on paper. Here, here's the problem. That fight was not competitive. It was not back and forth. It was not tit for tat. It, it wasn't one of those situations. It, it, was a, it was a mauling, absolute mauling by Brandon Moreno. So I only, I only bring that to you because what I would like to see Figueredo do I don't think he's got his biggest problems in the cage, by the way. I think his biggest problems come the day before in the form of the scale. I would like to see him go to 135 pounds. One, I, I, I just, I like him there. Two, on a more human level, the dedication that you must have to make that weight, and all of you can relate to this, right? Do you weigh less now than you weighed two years ago? Right? As human beings, we gain weight over time. So the older he gets, the more of a challenge it's going to be. And it is, uh, truly, it's a life experience. I mean, the commitment that you have to make to make these weight classes. And we're in one of the very few industries, very few industries on the face of the planet where they weigh you in before they let you go to work. That would be a lawsuit if any other boss tried to do that, right? I mean, it's, it's one of those things. And I say that and I try to stress it because you might not know. Right, if you've never done that, if you've never tried that, you never tried to live that life or competed in something in high school where you, ha where you had the weight, you may not know. And on a human level, and I'm, I'm just a guy that I had to do it myself. That 185 pounds moved up to 205 pounds. But life just gets better. All of a sudden, those days in the gym and the training, but having fuel in your body to go do it, you just feel better. You're in a better spirit. You're in a better attitude. Fight week itself becomes a lot less stressful. Trying to do interviews, trying to work out, even trying to sleep when you're dehydrated, very tough stuff. And I just know that Figueredo, it's one way to extend your career. The less taxing things you can put on your body, including of the weight cut, the greater chance you have to extending your career. I would just like Figueredo to do it so that he could go through what I went through, which was be happier. Be a more pleasant person to be around. I also like the way that he would compete, though. He is very strong. You know, you can see that even through TV. You can see that when he takes his shirt off the way, you know, he looks like he's carved out of stone. But he's also very physically strong. Some guys can't just change weights. It's a nice thing to say, but they could have height issues or they could have reach issues. He does not have height or reach issues. He is built like a 135 pounder. Absolutely. And as he's going to go and he's going to get older, look, he's going to go right to the top. I couldn't guarantee you guys that can beat him. I mean, I couldn't guarantee, well, you know, if he runs into, he can go with anybody. He can get right in there and compete. And I don't know that he's going to refine the championship at 125 with Moreno. So in that regard, what's the difference? What's the difference? You're going to be the number two guy in this weight class? You're going to be the number six guy in this weight class. What's the difference? If you're not champ, you're not the champ. But this weight class can give you some parity. This weight class can, can make you happier. Your life can be better, truly. I think he should give that a real good look. And there's always a misconception. We always make the mistake falsely of believing, right? If I do good at, at uh, 
205 pounds. I'm going to do great at 185 pounds. If, I, if I'm doing fine at 185, I'm going to do much better at 170. It's a misconception. I could tell you and run right through the list of people that have actually done that and gone down. It doesn't work out as well as guys that did it the other way, which is that went up. The guys that go up that can get that extra workout in because they have the extra energy, that can be a little bit happier, that maybe are a little bit undersized, but they find that that gives them a speed advantage. And it also helps their conditioning instantly. Instantly, your conditioning goes up if the other guy's carrying more pounds in you. Right? It's just one of those things. But I think when you do look at 135 pounds and you look at Figueredo, I think that it's very compelling. I think many of those matchups are going to be very fun. Told you Figueredo's going to fight Dominic Cruz. I think you'd be thrilled. Tell you Figueredo's going to fight Sanhagen. He's going to fight Sean O'Malley. I think that you would be thrilled. Down at 125 pounds. I mean, look, throw him right in there with Moreno right away. Otherwise, what, what's the point? He's going to go through a couple of guys and re-qualify for that championship match. What is going to be different, right? I mean, it's just one of those spots. And every now and then, a guy has your number. So what? Guy has your number. It's the way it goes. Some you gotta wait him out. Wait till wait till Moreno goes up to 135. Wait till Moreno stops doing it. Wait till Moreno gets beat. Sometimes that's what you gotta do. 155 pounds, that's what all the guys had to do. Because they had a hammer in their way named Khabib. They all had to wait him out. How am I gonna get to the top? I'm gonna stick around longer than this guy. Because I can't beat him. That's the way it goes. It's the hand that I got dealt. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not looking down on the 55 pounders. It's a great, it's a it's a great way to go through life. It's a great strategy. I can tell you, a guy that's been in sport, one of the easiest ways and the surest ways to beat somebody better than you is wait them out. Can I hang in here longer than you can? I'm gonna be here tomorrow. Are you? I'm gonna be here the next day too. Are you? And you'll look around and no, the answer is no. Most guys are not. But that's part of the game. It's one. It's one of these deals, and I, I, I'm just I'm thinking about getting Figueredo in there, but not in a championship match with Moreno. So that means he's a contender status. Okay, who's he got to beat to requalify to get that fight? And if he does requalify and get that fight, do we have any reason to believe it's going to be a different outcome? And is it a fight that we're even excited to see? I mean, these guys gave us some really good minutes. These guys gave us eight rounds, but the point was still proved. The point was absolutely proven. I've always loved the idea of Garbrandt going down to 125. And I think if Garbrandt goes 125, I like the idea that he gets to go right in for a championship match. 25 could use some sprucing up. Figueredo saved them in ways that he hasn't fully been recognized for. He saved them. He helped. He was very helpful. And now Moreno, with the first ever Mexican-born champion, he's going to go and have a great run as well. But they're some opportunity, right? There's some major opportunity. I like the Garbrandt idea. I don't really care what his record's been as of late at 135 pounds. That guy's a world champion. That guy's a world champion going to enter the weight class. My opinion? Give him a shot. All right, guys. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed it, please head on over to Apple Podcasts. Search You're Welcome and leave us a review. Like our friend Leo, who says Chael is one of my adult heroes. Well, thank you, Leo. That means a lot. More to come for me on Friday. Guys, until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.